Hello folks, I'm Joe Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and its associate fellowship, The Bread of Life, in Boise, Idaho. Our ministry has found expressions in over 40 different countries. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. If you take your Bibles and turn to the New Testament book, Titus, you'll find within it a theme repeated over and over again. The theme is a life of good works that glorify God and bless the community. The witness of the Christian must be verbal. We have to tell people the gospel, but there cannot be a dissonance between our words and our works. The goodness of God given to us must pass through us onto others. Well, our topic this morning is good works, and I'm not going to give an introduction. Instead, we're going to go right into a number of points. And the first point that I want to make to you is this. I want you to note that God wants the Christian, God wants his child to do good works. It's his plan for our lives. We've just read to you a Titus chapter 3, verse 8. And if you read the book of Titus, you'll see that Titus, on several occasions, will speak about the importance of doing good works, or he will commend those individuals or persons who have committed themselves to the work of doing good. Titus chapter 2 verse 7 calls wives to be a pattern of good works as a witness to their husbands. In Titus chapter 2 verse 14 we're said of Jesus Christ that he gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous or eager to do good works. And, and actually, that verse kind of corresponds with Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. There we read that we're saved by faith and not by works, but then we're told in that passage that having been saved through grace by faith, and as such, we become God's workmanship. And it says, this was all done. We were created in Christ Jesus in this new life he gives us through faith, for good works, which God has prepared for us in advance to do. In other words, God's saving work in our life was to bring us to a work that we would do ourselves. And then we read in Titus chapter 3, 8, and again in Titus 3, 14, we read that the believer is to maintain or to develop and to carry forward a posture and an activity of good works. In Matthew 5, verse 16, the Lord Jesus tells us that we're to live in such a way that people would see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Peter obviously learned this lesson because Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, let your conduct among the Gentiles be that when they speak evil against you, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of salvation. Good works. You see it all throughout the New Testament commended to us. We have a little motto in our church. You'll see it in our bulletin. It says, Christ our Savior, our sufficiency in all things. It's an expression that in the Lord Jesus Christ, we find, find everything and we receive everything that we need for an abundant, about, abounding, positive, proactive life, a productive life in Him. 2 Corinthians 9.8, Paul speaks about this sufficient provision that comes to us through faith in Jesus Christ. This gracious, abundant outpouring that comes to us through Jesus Christ. And he speaks about what this provision 
leads us to, or what this sufficient, overwhelming, abundant supply of God's grace through Jesus Christ leads us to. He says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. God doesn't want his people lacking in the energy and in the capacity and in the supply to minister good works in the day in which they live. And it would seem that if we set our hearts and our minds and our lives upon doing that which is good, God is letting us know that he will sufficiently provide the resources we need to fulfill that task and that good work and to resource us in every way. Actually, in Acts chapter 9, verse 36, we have an example in the life of a woman by the name of Tabitha. And there, Tabitha is described as a woman who was full of good works and charitable deeds which she did. Not deeds which she planned on doing. Not deeds which she dreamed of doing. Not deeds that she advertised on a, with a sign on her front yard. Not deeds that she advertised with a bumper sticker on her car. But deeds which she did. Things that she put into practice. And good works as such are the expected outcome of the Christian life. And without these good works, a person's confession of faith in the New Testament and the New Testament believer without these good works, there was an idea that their profession of faith was somewhat suspect. So James says it, he speaks about this, and this is what James is referring to. In James chapter 2, verse 18, James writes this, Yes, a man may say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And in verse 20 he says, Faith without works is dead. He's, he's speaking about following through on our profession and the things that we declare to be true in our belief and trust in Jesus Christ and demonstrating the reality of it by the way in which we live because we're saved under good works. This life of doing good was so important to the Christian life and witness of the early church that if a person didn't bear the testimony of good works in their life, their confession was suspect. And the provisions that were offered for the members of the church at that time were withheld. A man that wouldn't provide for his family, wouldn't do the good work of providing for his family, was to be considered among the church like a, a heathen or a pagan, not part of them. When they were to judge who they were to help, when they were widows, they were to make a list of widows to care for them. But if this widow was not somebody who was, had demonstrated good works in her life, she wasn't considered to be a part of the role of the church who could receive the care of the church as a widow. In fact, let me read it to you. It's 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. Here's what Paul instructs for the care of widows in the church. He says, Do not let a widow under the age of 60 be taken into the number or the list of widows, and not unless she has been the wife of one man, well reported for good works. And then he gives us examples of the good works he's referring to. If she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers or cared for the stranger or been hospitable, if she's washed the saints' feet, if she's relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work or you might say devoted herself to all kinds of good works, then 
she is eligible for care as a widow within the church. You see how important the church made a life of doing good and good works as a part of their witness? Now, these passages that I've just shared with you are verses that evangelical Christians oftentimes read over too quickly. We've settled in our minds. We know that we're saved by faith alone. We're not saved by works. And so when we come upon the idea of doing works, we, we kind of gloss over it quickly and get back to that. We're saved by faith. That's all we need. That's all the testimony we need. I've trusted and believed in Jesus Christ. I raised my hand. I walked the altar. I prayed a prayer. I'm good. So we gloss over some of these places and settle in our minds that because we cannot be saved by good works, we should not emphasize or focus upon good works at all. It's not like we think it's almost not Christian to do that. We tell ourselves because we're saved by faith and not by works that the great need we need to do is we need to correct those who have a false idea. We've seen it. Individuals who think that if they're just righteous enough and they just do enough good deeds that this will balance off their bad deeds and this is what is necessary for them to be saved. And we confront those individuals on a regular basis and the, the evangelical message is your good works won't save you. Your good works will not gain you any merit before God. You are saved entirely by faith in God alone and that's the right message. That's the Christian message. It's the evangelical message. But as a, as a result, sometimes we disparage this idea that we are to do good works ourselves. We like to emphasize, get your Bibles. We're in Titus. I told you to stay there. We like to emphasize verses 4 through 7 of Titus chapter 3. 4 through 7 of Titus chapter 3. This is what we read. This is the evangelical message. And it's true. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared... Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. In other words, this was, this was a work that was done to us, not by us. Whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We're saved completely by faith alone and the grace and work and mercy of God alone through Jesus Christ, not by any of our works. The Lord Jesus actually expresses what merit we might claim for ourselves in the good works we do in Luke chapter 17, verse 10. There the Lord Jesus said, this is the attitude we're supposed to have towards all the service and good deeds that we do when we're done doing them. We're only to say, we're only unprofitable servants doing our duty. We weren't gaining any merit. We weren't gaining any favor. We're just doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're not profiting by it in any way whatsoever. It means there's no merit to be gained for ourselves in our salvation through good works. We're saved by the atoning work of our Savior for our sins alone, through his free gift of grace to us alone, by faith alone, without works, so that no one of us can boast. And so we end at Titus chapter 3, verse 7. And we fail to read and pay attention to verse Eight. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed, there's faith, those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. We know there's not one ounce of righteousness that we bring before God. We know that our righteousness is through Jesus Christ alone, by faith in him alone. We know that it is his spotless righteousness that covers us and fills us that will be our one claim upon heaven. In heaven, we're going to sing, Jesus, thy blood and righteousness 
my glories are, my glorious dress, midst flaming worlds and these arrayed, in your own righteousness will I with joy lift up my head. Lord, it's, it's you and you only that claims and purchase and buys for me. Heaven, it's your mercy stirred for me. I didn't gain anything. I didn't merit your attention, your salvation. It came to me unmerited. It came by your mercy alone, by your grace alone. I reject any notion or any idea that I can add one second to the eternal life that you've purchased for me through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ by any good deed that I may do. My gospel is not a gospel of do unto others as you would have others do unto you. That's, that's a good word. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. It's a good word, but it's, it's not the gospel. It's, it's not the good news. It's good counsel, but it's not good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ, the sinless Savior, became sin for us, and he gives us his righteousness through our simple act of faith and trust in him alone. It's his saving work alone. We believe that. We uphold that. We we tenaciously hold to that belief and that doctrine. But that said, we don't, we don't do good works to be saved. But that said, we are saved to do good works. It's God's purpose. It was God's plan. It was God's design. And these good works that we do, we don't do for our own benefit. We don't do to add any expanded benefit in heaven. We don't do it to give ourselves some merit before God or pleasure before God. We don't do it for any other reason. We don't do it for any other reason but to do it for the benefit of others and for the glory of God. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.